0: This is a Vault Studios production.
1: So start from the beginning on this case, May 6, 1988. Um, what happened?
0: There was a body that was found on Highway 330, just about a mile, mile and a half from the Grant County line.
1: In any death investigation, one of the first places investigators turn as they look for leads is to the victim's background. What did this person do for a living? Who did they spend time with? Were they in a relationship? But in some cases, investigators don't know anything about a victim.
0: And of course, they didn't know who this person was.
1: That was the case in 1988, when a woman's body was found in a field near a farm in rural Kentucky. And for the past 34 years, that woman has only been known as Jane Doe.
0: You don't know who this person is. You don't know where they came from. You don't know what they're all about. You really just don't know anything about them. And your job as a detective or investigator is to find out what they are, who they are, where they came from, how they succumbed to their passing, uh, figure out what led up to this. Maybe that might help identify, uh, use all resources possible to say, OK, here's this DNA or here's this piece of evidence. Try to put things together and make it all happen. Get it. And end result.
1: My name is Shay McAllister. And I'm Madison Wade. We're both journalists, and for years we've been covering unsolved cases on TV, talking to investigators and families of victims, all pushing for answers. Cases we haven't forgotten, and still want to see solved. This is Beyond Bardstown,
2: unsolved Today we're talking about a Jane Doe case out of Kentucky from 1988. Investigators call unidentified women Jane Doe during criminal investigations as they work to learn who they are and what happened to them. Shay, what do we know about this Jane Doe? Well, Madison,
1: in this case we know where she was found, we know some of her physical characteristics, and we know what was discovered around her body. We'll start with where she was found. When we started working on this case, we actually went to that location first. It was off of a rural winding road in Grant County, Kentucky. This part of our state is mostly farmland and small towns with a couple of truck stops and diners off of the busy nearby interstates. State Police Detective Andre Samu led us out to the property and after parking, we followed him down a small hill. He then pointed us to the spot where he thinks the body was found. He explained what investigators might have been thinking when they got on scene more than 30 years ago.
0: Her body was off the roadway a little bit. Uh, I'm going to say a distance of about 20 yards, maybe. Um, You don't know who this person is. You don't know where they came from. You don't know what they're all about. You really just don't know anything about them. And your job as a detective or investigator is to find out what they are, who they are, where they came from, how they succumbed to their passing, uh, figure out what led up to this. Maybe that might help identify, uh, use all resources possible to say, okay, here's this DNA or here's this piece of evidence, try to put things together and make it all happen, get an end result.
2: Talk a little bit more about the discovery. When exactly did this happen and who found her? So the discovery happened on the day before Mother's
1: Day in 1988. And the body was hidden behind some brush in overgrown grass. We actually found the couple who made the discovery, and we talked to them three decades later. Joy Kelly told us her husband thought he saw a goat as he was driving by. So they pulled off the road, parked, wanted to take a little bit of a closer look. Like I said, farming is a big part of the economy in this area, and even more so 30 years ago. So a dead goat would sound alarms. The couple say they parked and got out of the car to take a closer look.
3: So as I got closer, I said, I don't think it's a goat. I believe that it's one, a a person. I said, it looks like a body. Everything about it, I remember, and I know what I was wearing. I know what my husband was wearing. I know what my plans were for that day. And um, you don't, you don't forget it.
1: She described exactly how the body was positioned. It is a vivid image. She says it's been cemented into her memory even decades
3: later. Very straight, as far as the way the body was laying, wasn't askew. And there was nothing pushed down as far as weeds, like it had been dragged down by animals or anything like that.
1: Once they realized it was
3: a
2: body, Joyce says she knew immediately that the person was dead. Did they have any idea how she died? And were there any obvious signs of trauma?
1: Joy told us the body was decomposing. And this is graphic, but parts of her were missing. They assumed animals had got to her after she died and then before
3: she was found. The thing I remember most, and I mentioned to the detective, wearing nothing but men's socks. And they were pulled up perfectly, uh, brown socks. Just perfectly done.
2: What did the detectives make of what this
1: woman was wearing? So it obviously caught their attention too. They photographed her feet, they photographed those socks and locked it as evidence. We actually have those crime scene photos and it is just as unusual as it sounds. The body was naked except for the socks. They also collected other evidence on the scene, including some fingerprints from the hand that was still connected to the body and some hair follicles that they found nearby.
0: They found hair fragments in the areas and such, and uh, parts of the body was missing. The left arm from the elbow down was gone. Uh, the right hand still existed, but there was um, certain portions of the fingers that were still intact that we were able to get a fingerprint.
2: But Shay, this was back in the 80s. Fingerprint technology and criminal investigations was not what it is today. So how did they plan to
1: use that? Very true. And the only way it would have helped them in this case is if she would have gotten into trouble somewhere with the law. Her fingerprints were collected and then logged into the system. And then investigators from this case went to that police department to try to compare prints and get a match.
2: So obviously not very practical. Were there any other ways they could identify her? At this time,
1: the options were limited, They did collect some DNA, but this was way before we had the technology to put DNA into a database and then actually find a match to someone. Detective Samu told us more about that.
0: When the coroner uh, obtained the hair samples, he didn't know that DNA was going to be coming down the pike. He just collected because it was there and nobody else picked it up.
2: Shea, where her body was found, obviously very remote and rural, but was there any indication that the location of the body was important to the investigation? Well, we know just from talking to Joy Kelly,
1: the woman who found her body, that the woman wasn't from that area. It was a very small community. Everybody knew everybody, not only in this particular town, but in surrounding towns. So if someone was missing or if somebody knew what this person looked like and, and just through the chatter they did, they couldn't identify her. So investigators believe she wasn't from that area. So you might be wondering, okay, well, how did she get to this area? There was a lot of busy interstates right through there and a lot of popular truck stops. So investigators have speculated that she could have been traveling on the highway. She could have been hitchhiking. She could have been picked up or dropped off. And so she really could be from anywhere. And at at least at that time, they believed she could have been from anywhere and just ended up in trouble in this area.
2: So we have a woman found dead on the side of the road, wearing nothing but men's dress socks. We don't know how she died. Were there any other specific characteristics noted about her body? Yes. Her
1: hips and skeletal evidence led investigators to believe that she was a mother. They also collected that hair sample that confirmed she had dark brown hair. And then there was a tattoo that caught investigators' attention back then, and it stood out to us when we looked over the case decades later. It was what they described as a homemade tattoo that spelled Steve. We saw pictures of it. It looked like somebody wrote the name in red ink, and it was on her right shoulder. The discovery weighed heavy on the woman who found her, Joy Kelly, And even decades later, she said people still talked about it and what might have happened.
3: I think there's still a lot of people around here that they may not think about it as often as I do or put as much pressure on anybody to find out anything. But I do think that they would would like it to be resolved.
1: For decades, the Owen County Jane Doe case sat cold.
0: Other detectives have tried to come up with answers to the situation, but just like anything else, we all get wrapped up in our work. Other cases come up, so you end up not working this case as it should have been, which then creates uh, an avenue of the case going even more cold.
1: But now, investigators say that's no longer the case. After more than three decades, detectives say Jane Doe will finally be identified and her case will be solved.
0: So it takes um, people to work together to bring an end result. And all it takes is maybe one little piece and it's finding that one little piece that might resolve this thing.
1: Madison, before we talk about where this case stands today, I wanted to ask you about a separate Jane Doe case that you covered out in California that presented investigators with some similar challenges.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about the Delta Jane Doe? Yeah, Shay, this was a case that started with a gruesome discovery back on March 29, 2008. It was right around dusk when a fisherman near a tiny city called Ileton found bones underneath a discarded box spring on the side of the road. Of course, he was alarmed. He called 911 right away. My team and I were
3: dispatched out to Tyler Island Road. It's uh, way out in the Delta, still Sacramento County, um, regarding a possible remains case.
2: It was late when Sacramento County Sheriff Deputies got to the scene, and it was immediately apparent to them that this body had been there for a long time. They don't know how long exactly it might've been sitting under that box spring, but they told me that vegetation had grown around the box spring and around the body, suggesting it had been in that location for years. They also told me that they could tell the body had been underwater at some point. I spoke with Detective Mickey Lynx. She's with the Sacramento County Sheriff's Cold Case Homicide Unit. And she told me their investigation ultimately determined the victim was probably killed sometime around the fall of 2004. And with this discovery being made in the spring of 2008, that would mean the body had been sitting there for almost four years. I mean, the main thing is trying to figure out who this person was. Uh, there was no identification, you know, no wallet. Detectives say they also found evidence at the scene suggesting someone either killed her or dumped her body. So this is considered both a missing persons case and a homicide.
1: So, in this case, what efforts were made to try to identify this Jane Doe? How did investigators try to figure out who this person was? Well, back
2: in 2008, Mickey Lynx wasn't working with a cold case unit. She was actually a deputy who responded to the scene. Of course, they were looking for a wallet, any sort of identification, but they didn't have any luck.
3: When you don't have that information to start with in a homicide investigation, it makes it very difficult.
2: When autopsy results came back, it showed the victim was a woman. She was between 25 and 35 years old when she was killed. But that's not a lot of information to go on. So investigators started to look at the missing person cases in the area. They told me they cleared 250 names of missing people. And then they got hundreds of tips, but none of those tips helped identify this woman. And just like the case you covered in Kentucky, investigators also took a close look at the clothing this woman was wearing. But the difference in this case is that she was fully clothed. So there was more information to go off of. She was wearing a Grateful Dead sweatshirt, which led investigators to believe it was maybe a colder time of the year when she was killed. And then on top of that, she was also found wearing a River Delta Fire District sweatshirt, which Mickey Lynx told me she figured must be a lead.
3: Did they have anybody that went missing? Um, somebody had graduated or dropped out of their program, a female.
1: Okay, so that explains where that Delta Jane Doe name comes from.
2: Yeah, exactly. This was something unique to this case that didn't apply to other Jane Doe cases. This victim quickly became known as Delta Jane Doe. And Shay, when I went out there to get video and just kind of get a lay of the area, I didn't see one person for several hours. I was with a photographer, we were trying to find the exact location where her body was found based on coordinates from the sheriff's office, and it's very remote. It took us a long time to get out there. We had to cross several bridges just to get to the area where her body was. So if you think of it like that, and not a lot of people are, are around that area, it makes sense that her body wasn't found for four years. So. Investigators really had a lot of work to do to figure out who may have seen something four years ago. And of course, investigators also wanted to follow up on what she was wearing. It's the sweatshirt that really had a lot of people asking questions. They figured maybe the River Delta Fire District had somebody who went missing around 2004, or maybe this woman graduated from might've dropped out of the program. Or maybe she knew someone connected to the fire district. She might have borrowed the sweatshirt from them. What about DNA? Were investigators able to collect DNA from those remains? They were. With DNA technology rapidly developing, maybe that will become useful at some point in the future. But to date, the DNA hasn't turned up any leads either. The FBI did create like a rendering of what they believe the woman might have looked like. So investigators are hopeful that continuing to share this image might spark a memory at some point. Someone might call in with new information, but for now, they've essentially hit a wall. Which
1: is, unfortunately, what ends up happening in so many of these Jane and John Doe
2: cases. Right. A lot of these cases face the same challenges. But getting back to this Jane Doe case you covered in Kentucky, there's another challenge on top of everything else. Another crime that occurred nearby that ended up taking attention and resources away from this case. That's right. The truth is, the
1: detective on this Jane Doe case told me they were almost immediately pulled off of it because of a huge investigation happening just down the street. That was the Carrollton bus crash, and it was a horrific scene. 27 people died, mostly children, all in a youth group together, after an impaired driver crashed into the bus head-on. As you can imagine, the detective said that scene became all hands on deck.
0: And then, unfortunately, because of when this situation occurred, which was on May 6th, is when we was identified to it, shortly thereafter, I believe it's May 14th, I believe, uh, when the bus crash took place over here on 71 North, just about four miles north of us. Um, so that kind of deterred the investigation process on this particular case, because of the bus crash.
1: And the case was cold until just recently when the new detective took over, finding new evidence and new leads. For the first time in decades, a detective is confident he can actually solve this.
0: It's gonna take a little time, but hopefully um, if I don't have this case resolved, that the efforts that myself and other people put into this case, that something can happen in the near future where After I'm gone and I've retired, somebody else picks up the ball and has just as much enthusiasm about trying to solve this case. But for now, I've got the ball and I'm going to run with it.
2: So, Shay, where exactly does this
1: investigation stand today? Well, the new lead detective on the case has worked hard to push the case forward. He told us so much of the work done back in the 1980s could actually help them solve the case today.
0: Can the fingerprint resolve to something? Absolutely. Can the DNA from the hair? Absolutely. The technology that, back in the day, that helped identify who this woman was is totally different than the technology we use today to identify somebody.
1: So what does that look like? Well, Detective Samu told us he re-interviewed two dozen key people in the investigation brought out drones to the scene to re-examine the property where she was found, and then, when going through evidence, found that hair sample collected on scene back in the 1980s and submitted it for further DNA testing. At the same time, he has relaunched the public awareness campaign, spreading the initial sketch made of the woman based off of her remains left at the scene. The hope was someone might recognize that sketch.
0: You know that this person had family somewhere. We don't even know who the family is. Um, The family doesn't know that we're looking for them.
2: Did any tips come in after that?
1: Actually, yes. After we aired our story on the case, the detective told us they received several tips, helpful tips, and even grant funding out of Washington, D.C. that would allow them to do further DNA testing on her remains. Several months later, investigators were able to release more details on the case that had come from those new leads. They narrowed down where she was from or had connections to, and that was Columbus, Ohio
2: or Miami, Florida. And that's the last we heard from investigators. So, Shay, if anyone has any information that might help investigators identify Jane Doe, what should they do? Anyone with any information can
1: contact the Kentucky State Police Post 5 at
2: 502-532-6363. And anyone with information about the Delta Jane Doe case can call the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office at 916-874-5057. Beyond
1: Bardstown Unsolved is a production of Vault Studios in partnership with King 5 in Seattle, WHAS 11 in Louisville, and ABC 10 in Sacramento. Make sure you don't miss any future episodes by following or subscribing to the show wherever you're listening right now. And to talk about these cases with other listeners, be sure to join our Facebook group, Unsolved Insiders. Beyond Bardstown Unsolved is hosted by me, Shay McAllister, and King 5 anchor and reporter, Madison Wade. Our producer is Reed Redman, and our executive producers are Will Johnson and Brian Weiss. Thanks also to investigative journalist Andrea Ash. Audio mixing is done by Richard Humphreys at Tacoma Media in Silver Spring, Maryland.